Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Hey everyone, Greg Scheinman here. It is another week and it is another episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me this week and every week as we keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Couple of things before we get into the show. One, my new book. Yup, if you're a listener of the show, then you know that I have a new book coming out because I've been plugging it over here. And I thank you guys so much for all the support. It's super cool to see the pre-sales stacking up. Uh, and I'm really excited to get this book in everybody's hands. It is called, obviously enough, The Midlife Mail, a no bullshit guide to living better, longer, happier, healthier, and wealthier, and having more fun in your 40s and 50s, which includes more sex. And what guy doesn't want that? We did our best to come up with the longest title possible. So when you head on over to Amazon, just type in the midwife mail. You don't have to type in much more than that. And I am going to pop up on the cover of the book. You can pre-order the book and it will be at your house on November 1st because Amazon is reliable that way. So please do that. It would mean the world. I think you are really going to enjoy the book. It has... um, Chapters divided up into my six F's of family and fitness and finance and food and fashion and fun. And in each one of those sections, you are going to get stories from men who have come on the podcast that are sharing their experiences that are authentic, incredible, and relatable and aspirational. And some of them are a little out there, you know, for all of us. And then you're going to get my take on all of those areas as well. Um, a little bit what I do in the newsletter, a little bit of what I do on the podcast here, but it's a lot more expanded and it's into um, 300 and something or so pages that's there. And if I try to flip to the back, I can probably find exactly how many, but we're talking 316 pages of hopefully awesomeness uh, within the Midlife Mail book. So anyway, I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are excited about it. Put a lot into this. I hope you guys get a lot out of it. It's super important to me to help as many men possible, maximize middle age, get back what matters most, and again, have as much fun in our 40s and 50s as possible. By the way, the book is great for women and the book is great for guys who are not in midlife because guess what? You will be soon enough. Trust me, it goes quickly. So grab yourself a copy. The second thing, we're getting close to the end of the year. We're in fourth quarter right now. So we're thinking about how we can finish strong. We're thinking about how we can plan for next year. And I got two options for you. If you are struggling, if you are challenged, if you want to get ahead, everybody can benefit 
from coaching. Guys, we do not have to go at it alone in any way, shape, or form. Trust me, I've tried. We are better together. You can head over to midlifemail.com. You can learn about my 90-day coaching program over there. And I also have a new offering. It is a 90-minute strategy session, which includes two weeks of follow-up with me, and it will help you finish this year strong, and it will help you set your course for 2023. You can always email me, greg at midlifemail.com. You can DM me on Instagram at Greg Scheinman, and we can set up a free call, see if we're a good fit for one another, and I can answer any questions you have. All right, let's talk about our guest this week, Brian Gillette. He is the president of Summiting Group. Brian helps people elevate their potential and push their limits beyond their perceived capabilities. He is a former Silicon Valley human resource executive. He is the founder of his own leadership consulting business and amateur ultra endurance athlete. He has ridden his bike across the United States and run 205 miles around Lake Tahoe. He knows how to connect with both the business leader or the amateur athlete to help them reach their peak and achieve the impossible. The skills and behavior, as he has learned, are the same. Brian went out and interviewed 100 leaders on how they reached their peak. And from his own experience in both roles, he wrote the book, Epic Performance, Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. And he's on the show this week to talk about the key aspects to push oneself and one's team further. Really enjoyed this. Pick up a copy of Brian's book. It's a lot of fun to read. It's got a lot of great information in it. You're going to learn a lot. Again, Brian is one of those guys. I found him to be incredibly relatable, authentic, credible, and absolutely aspirational. So here he is on the Midlife Mail podcast, Brian Gillette, president of Summiting Group and the author of Epic Performance. You know, like I was not a runner until kind of my early 40s. I was always Mm -hmm. a cyclist. I've always been in good shape. Uh And I did the 200 mile run when I was 47. Um, And there was a guy doing it that he was... He was in his mid 60s, I believe. He he made it a hundred miles. He had to bow out. But you know, my my dad used to say when he was, I think when he was about 55 or 60, he would say he was middle age. And I and I would say, Dad, you're not gonna live to be 120. <laughs> but he just had that mindset. And right now he's 83 and he's hiking 96 miles across Scotland. So we often use it's like oh i'm too old it's like come on that's 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 an excuse and and there it is you know right there i think you know that's i was making a note as you were saying this like that to me is the starting point you know right there it's yeah. the i did this run at 47 you know i was not always a runner i was just my father is doing this i recently did the um the jesse itzler everest challenge 29029 feet in 36 hours and had a blast doing it. And I love the fact that it was a challenge and not a race. But the week after, now that I'm following the whole community and the experience and everything, um, I was just most impressed by 80-year-old Jim, you know, who got who came out there and did it with his whole family, you know, right. Also. And it was year number two, you know, he got out there, you know, at 79 and at 79, I think I may butcher this a little bit, but I think he got 11 of the 13 ascents completed. 
and then it's come back at 80 and finished the whole thing. And, you know, to me, you know, I think that this notion of midlife as, as a crisis, can we reduce or eliminate that and start seeing it as the next and best phase of our life and how much opportunity is really ahead. And there are lots of mountains to climb. Yes. There are lots of races to take part in. It could literally just be general life and performing better than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And yeah, I think I'm, all I'm those not go- are okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going for the fastest. I have realized, you know, I would love to have been in the Tour de France. I was not, mm-hmm. I was never that good. You know, at this point in my life, there is no way I'm going to be in the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> but, I think there's a difference. Go, go on. I'll, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, but maybe I can go ride through France. And so it's like, how do you shift and shift to kind of what, what's realistic today? What's important to you today? My, you know, one of the big things I talk about is I don't want to get to be 80 and go, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, hiked across Scotland, you know, gone to wherever. That's what I, I want to try to avoid. Well, what if the outcome was doing? What if the outcome was finishing? You know, what if the outcome was trying? What if yeah. the, out, the outcome was participating? Again, as opposed to winning, right? You know, and, and achieving, you know, or standing up, or the barrier to entry or participating or taking part or doing it. If the barrier to entry was removed because you didn't focus on an unrealistic outcome, or I'm not going to win, or I'm not going to finish, or I'm not going to. Right. As well, as opposed to, I'm just going to sign up. Yeah. I'm going to, because the win is biking through France. You know, yep. the win, okay, was being on the mountain. Well, and also- center 13, you know, the win was being around like-minded people. The win was getting a little bit healthier, a little bit better. Yeah. Making the commitment. I think sometimes we, we miss, you know, on what really the metric of success I, achievement and accomplishment actually is. I, I, I totally agree with you, Greg. It's really understanding what's important and, and it's not being number one on the podium. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to be number one on the podium in certain areas. Now, I may in my age group, but what's also important to me now is that I become a role model for my kids that as you get later on in life, you are still out moving, you're still out doing things and that you don't just stop because i i remember when i was my kid's age and and my parents were in their mid-50s i thought my god they are so old <laughs> it's, it's absolutely I was, I was about to go there and i think it's two i think it's two things i think it's one we looked at our parents and even our grandparents or our friends' parents, and we looked at all these moms and dads and, and again they seemed very old to us right very old. We're I there. Even fathom or picture what that age bracket actually looked or felt like. Yeah. And then for me, you know, my father passed away. He was forty-seven when he passed away. And as you get older, and I was getting older, you start to realize and appreciate how young that really is. Yeah. Yeah. Because forty-seven, probably when you were a kid, if forty-seven was probably my God, he yeah, he was old. It seemed old. At the yeah. same time, I was 17. And at the same time, there's this strange dichotomy also of, yes, parents seem old. 47 yep. seems old. Yes, it seems extremely young to 
to die, to pass away because I don't see anybody else's parents, you know, yeah. sick or, or dying, you know, that was reserved for like, maybe you'd hear about somebody's grandfather, you know, right. Or grandmother. Right. Know? Oh, how old are I? 80. Not like that seemed like, oh, that's the order that things are supposed to go in. You know? Yep. But as you start getting a little bit older and then we have children and our lives, you start realizing how young, mm-hmm, 30, 40, 50, 50. you know, even yeah. 60, you know, yeah. all these things, all these ages actually are. And to your point, I think you start looking at people who are leading by example. Yeah. And, and I have- making it look good, yeah. making it and look I- young, making it look vibrant, making it look epic, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I I love this. I think there's an, a lot of place we can go around. I, I remember, um, I we the, the race the Tahoe 200 was 205.5 miles, and at 200 miles you literally hit hit uh, the summit, and then you've got five and a half miles to go down. And I was in tenth place at that point. And then, and I was kind of going back and forth with this guy who I, at the time I didn't know, but you know, I found out after he was 20 years younger than I was. And, and at that 200 mile, I started descending and I thought I got five and a half miles left. I'm in 10th place. I'm going to get top 10. I was so excited and I tripped and fell and that guy came and passed me. And there was a moment that I was kind of like, oh, I lost. And it's like, then I had to kind of recalibrate and realize I just ran 205 miles. And, and it was a guy 20 years, my younger that just passed me. So I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I had a buddy, he's an OBGYN. He always says like, we're doing better than most, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> he has this fresh perspective on it. It's kind of I always the default there that we're going on, whatever's going on. Hey, we're doing better than most, like, you know, keep going. And, and, and to your point, you know, I want to talk to you about, about big leaps, you know, and, and what you, what you did, because you talk about it, you know, in, in the book and what holds people back from taking big leaps. And we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the white space between, let's say just being, you know, fit and yeah. healthy. And then, okay, going after an epic performance or going after an ultra, you know, what, what was kind of the impetus for you to take, you know, the big leap? When did you start pushing it into from, yeah, I'm a healthy guy. I'm a happy guy. I'm in my journey and boys too. Let's go to, let's go to 200 miles. Let's go to, you know, eight marathons back to back, you know, let's do an, let's do an ultra. What, to walk me through that process. You know, I, I just always like to kind of push one step further. And so when I, when I got, you know, the, the running got involved because I was just finishing a 300 mile bike ride. And, and I've always been a cyclist throughout my, you know, fr- from, as, from the time I was a little kid. And I just liked cycling. I did a lot of, of long distance cycling, went across the United States um, by myself. I cycled down from Canada. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area a number of times. And and I love that. And there was this 200 mile bike ride that I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to do this. And I'd done it before, but I thought I need something that stretches me a little bit further. And, and so I thought I'm going to do the 200 mile bike ride, which is part of an organized ride, but then I'm going to add a hundred miles on just and do it myself. I'll get my own support. And, you know, early kind of at, at mile 120, I collided with another bike 
and I needed a new wheel. For like 12 miles, I had to, to, to ride on this wheel that had a wobble. I had to open my front brakes because it, it, the bike wouldn't go. And I got a new wheel. And then about 30 miles later, I saw a, a fellow cyclist dead on the side of the road. And, and I thought the reason why I was doing the 300 was to see how far could I push my mind in my limit. Could I, and I thought this was going to be the, this was going to be the ride that pushed me to my limit. And I wanted to understand where that was. And I had a couple of things, obviously, I just mentioned that, uh, that kind of challenged me. And then I, I continued on. I, I was riding the last hundred miles by myself. Um, I, I had some support with me. Um, and at mile 275, I thought, you know, I, I didn't hit that limit. You know, I, I, and, and I, I can go a lot further and it started getting me thinking, but what it also did is I, I realized, okay, now what's next? Because as I'm finishing something big, I like to ask that question, what's next? And that's kind of how I end the book, that last chapter. It's like aim higher. And I thought, you know, I've never been a, I've never been a runner. You know, my, you know, I used to get, and people used to make fun of me how slow I was as, uh, when I'd run for play, when I'd do soccer practice as a kid. And the marathon is the ultimate running event. So I'm going to train for a marathon and I'm going to do a marathon. And so I finished the marathon and it's like, okay, now what's next? And friends and I were sitting around talking and one of them had done a 50 mile training trail run. I thought, well, that sounds cool. So let's do that. And then it, that 50 miler turned into another 50 miler. And, and then it was a hundred miler. And then I saw this Tahoe uh, run and I, you know, Tahoe, I live in, in California and Tahoe is this just epic, beautiful lake. And to run around it, you know, it, it would just be an amazing experience. I thought, okay, let's do that. So it's, it's that, that mindset of, okay, I've done this. Now I, I've, I've, I've reset the bar on what I can do. Now let's mm -hmm. go a little bit higher. And that's, you know, in the book, I talk about, you know, the eye of, of epic is iterate. So it just kind of keep going a little bit further, pushing yourself a little bit further. And that's where you start to grow. Yep. And I, I want to get into the book because I love all of the acronyms with envision and plan and iterate and, and collaborate. And there's a lot to go down in, in each one of those, each one of those silos. I want to ask you a couple of personal questions, if, if I might, mm -hmm. yeah. and you can kind of yay or nay me as, as we go. One, how old are you right now? 54. Okay. Married, children, like married, two boys. Boys are in are in, in a couple of weeks. They're going to be fourteen and sixteen. Okay, so similar situation. I'm about to be fifty in, in December. I'll be fifty. Um, there's no married, two boys. Also nineteen, nineteen and sixteen. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I hear from from a lot of of men, honestly, is I don't have time. I don't know where to make time. Mm -hmm. How do I even approach this? Again, with you know, my wife and my work, and, and I want to be a good husband, I want to be a good father, but yes, I'm letting my health go. And, you know, our overhead is is high. And is this the time to be doing this? And where do I fit in? Like, as a man, like, how do I make this happen? The prioritization back to what you said, even leading by example, but these things come as a trade off, you know, to train for a marathon, to train for something, else. even to, again, just be general, generally, fit and healthy to wake up in the morning and exercise, you know, or to prioritize it at the end of the day. A lot of men struggle with like putting themselves in a position to be successful in those areas. And they put themselves second, third, or fourth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they end up 
at 54, I'm like, not exactly epic, you know, like you were describing, <laughs> you know, not exactly, you know, looking for for the next big challenge, but realizing and regretting that they haven't actually pushed themselves or challenged themselves. Yeah. Or lived a very epic or full existence in terms of what the metric again of success really looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you, you bring up a good question is what is that metric of success? Because what's a metric of success for me may be different than what's a metric or, or probably should be different than what's a metric of success for you. But I, I think you bring up some really valid points, Greg, and, and that prioritization. Um, th- there's one thing between, you know, to train for an Ironman or a big event, because that takes a significant amount of time. There's another thing of, I just need to stay in shape. I mean, you can stay in shape within 30 to 45 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even if you're just doing something like five hours a week, you know, over the course of the week, maybe, you know, 45 minutes over the course of a number of days, you can stay in shape. And like, what does your wife say? Like, when you're like, hey, okay, here's the next thing. Like, you know, aim high. Okay. Hey, honey, did like, what does she say? And, and what do you even say to your kids when it's like, it's going to go out there again? And those are the things I'm actually really curious about because, quite frankly, like, I struggle with that, you know, myself. Again, coming sense. off the mountain, and my wife is like, you know, and then I got invited two weeks later to basically go do it again, you know, up in Canada on a different mountain for free, you know, with, with amazing. And I'm seriously thinking of doing it. And I said, Kate, hey, like, I just got invited to Whistler and this sounds awesome. She's like, when is it enough? You know, like, <laughs> you know I have, I have an amazing wife who's very supportive of these types of events. Now I have to make sure I don't take advantage of it. And, and I also, she likes doing things as well. And so there is that balance. And, and, you know, we, we were, every other year we would trade off where Mm. one year it's, this is my year to train big. And she wasn't going to train for anything big. And then the next year it's her year to train big. So I had done the hundred, a hundred mile run. The next year she did an Ironman. And then the next year I did the 200 mile run. So there is that balance. Um, you talk about prioritization, and it is about prioritizing. Um, I, you know, at the peak, when I was training for Tahoe, I was, there were some weeks I was 30 hours doing exercise. And, and something has to give. And I, you know, I kind of break things down into three buckets. There's work. There's um, uh, kind of your your sleeping time, and then there's everything else, and that everything else is it's you know picking the kids up at school, it's eating, it's sitting on the couch, it's exercise, and so those three things. And and when I looked at those three bu- those three buckets, I knew sleep. I couldn't give up sleep. I was going to probably need a little bit more sleep just because of the amount I was exercising. I didn't want to give up much on the family. And so I had to cut down on the work a little bit. And so I run my own consulting practice. And so I'm able to do that. But I made the priority to do that. Now, you look at you and I interviewed a 100 kind of high performing folks, you know, a lot of them were C level executives. And, and there, there often isn't a good work life balance. You know, if you are trying to be at the top of your game, then other things are going to give. And often that is on the, uh, on the, the, the life side, if you're doing it on the work. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I refer to that as the over-indexing trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the metric yeah. again of success for men is often salary and title. And where do we default? We default to work. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And climbing that ladder or getting to that C level, you know, or whatever yeah. level it is for you. And that's where the majority of the time goes because we are the providers, you know, the man, the workers and, and other things again, fall, fall by the wayside um, in there. In interviewing all of these men, like, like they weren't all men, know? just to be clear. I, I oh, had okay, of okay. men and women. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. And that, that's very fair because I also think that women are applicable to, to all of the conversations, even that I have. I pretty much work exclusively with men in a coaching practice and the men that come on the show because for me, that's my narrow and deep lane. That's what I know and that's who I am. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Out there. But it's absolutely valid and applicable for, for, whether you're male or female. And I don't think necessarily middle age is a criteria, you know, for any of the messages to be, to be applicable either. If anything, I hope the earlier people learn them, the better you can avoid a lot of the mistakes and traps that I've <laughs> fallen, fallen into. And maybe you don't need as much of this you know, in the second phase of your life, which would be, would be wonderful. But what did you, you know, what did you learn? Or, or, or more importantly, I think like, what did these hundred you know, kind of have in common, you know, different men, different women doing all different things. What was, was there a common thread, you know, of what you learned between them? Two things that I heard over and over. One is they're very focused on what they want to accomplish in the future. And the future wasn't one or two years out. You know, maybe it was 10, 15 years out. Uh, and, and, you know, th- there were a number of people that they, they were looking well into the future and figuring out, okay, if, if I want to get, you know, to this point in 10 years, what do I have to do? You know, one of the executives I talked to, founder of a company, he's, and then he went, um, a company I worked for, and then went on to find, uh, found another couple other companies, very successful entrepreneur. And he says, I am always looking out 10 years and I'm trying to extrapolate what the technology capabilities will be in 10 years. You know, what, what is memory going, the, the memory capabilities? What is the speed processing speed going to be? What's the battery life going to, to be? And I can use, you know, Moore's law, which is, uh, you know, common in, in the technology industry that talks about how, how speed uh, how how a lot of the technology improves over you know course of a year and a half or two years how it doubles, and he goes I look to see what's going to happen in the course of ten years and then figure out okay if the technology if this processing speed the memory speed the battery life is going to be this in ten years what could I build that could could drive us to that and so he's looking well into the future and so it's that that strong focus on the future. The the other one is being very deliberate about what they do and what they don't do. Mm. And and so the, you know it's executives, you know really successful executives are good at saying yes to the things they should yes, should say yes to, but they're also really good at saying no to the things they shouldn't be doing. So we can't focus on everything. And so where is it? And, and I love like your podcast, you focus on the middle age male. You're not focusing on the 22 year old male. You're not focusing on the 45 year old female. You are very focused on, and deliberate on who you, you are working toward. One of the 
one of the executives, he's a, a chief human resources officer for a mid-sized technology company. And he's also an Iron Man. And, and as I was talking to him, I said, how do you, how do you balance out that prior, those priorities? And he said, it, when I'm training for an Iron Man, I need about 12 hours in a week. And, and when you put it that perspective, it's like 12 hours, you know, that's, yeah, well, that's like an hour and a half a day. We are not that efficient that we can't find 12 hours over the course of the week. And, and when I look at, okay, if the average person's working, let's say, 40 to 50 hours a week and you're sleeping eight hours a day, that leaves you, I think, it's like 62 or 68 hours left in the week to do everything else. So how do you find those 12 hours out of that bucket of time? Mm -hmm. You know, how much time are you sitting on the couch um, watching TV? How much time are you surfing the internet looking at Facebook or any of these things? And so how do you take that time and move it? So it's being very deliberate and being very focused are the two things that just came out. I mean, it's, it's, it's so good and it's so true. And I, I think it's also so important to leave it like at those two things, which sounds simple, but you know, simple is very hard. And yeah. doing simple better is really, really hard. And I mean, doing less with more focus, like these are a lot of the things that come up again, over and over again. And because you're right, yes is easy. And, and I think a lot of us, we want to be pleasers. We want to say yes. You know, it's yeah. an easier answer. It's better. no is very, is very hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. developing that muscle or developing that skill, I do really think is the difference between kind of success, fulfillment, contentment, you know, because yeah. um, we only the, versus the alternative, which is this overwhelming kind of, you know, we just keep consuming rather than just focusing on our own production, you know, and what's really important. Yeah. I mean, we only, we have 24 hours in the day. We all have the same amount of time. And I often look at how is it the president of the United States, whichever president you you want, you know, <laughs> most presidents, you know, you will find out they're either going to, they, they find some time to golf, they find some time to exercise, they find some time to move. And I think that is healthy. And so how is it the president of, a, of the United States can find some time to go out for a jog, go out for a bike ride on a regular basis, but maybe you can't? It's a skill. I mean, I really, I, was, I think what you're talking about is, you know, is a strategy. Again, you've written a strategy for how you pursue and ultimately how you achieve. Okay. Whether, whatever you define again as an epic accomplishment. And that right. can be, again, learning the skill to manage your time properly. Sharpen your own edges of what you say yes to, what you say no to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Start utilizing your calendar in a more efficient and a more effective manner. Mm -hmm. And again, really get back to mm -hmm. taking a, a real hard, good look at yourself. And where am I wasting time? Right. Mm -hmm. And and again, where you know where do I allocate again for for family and for fitness or for you know finances and work and for fun for myself and and sleeping? And it's it's a it's a skill and it's a tool like the calendar and time management, no different than working with money, you know, different than working, you know, in a business, in an organizational structure where, you know, okay, here's what we have to work with. Let's take a really quantifiable approach to this. Mm -hmm. I yeah. do this. What is the result I'm going to get? I do this consistently. What is the result I'm going to get? What do I look like a year from now? What do I look like five years from now? What am I acting like? What's in my bank account? 
What mountains have I climbed? You know, I love this stuff and hearing from men like yourself about, hey, how do we put these pieces together? Here are my three buckets and here's how I operate out of these three buckets. And I like how you talk, you you, you use the, the time and money is, they're similar. If you want to understand where an executive's priorities are, there's two places you can really look. You look at their calendar and you look at their balance sheet or you look at kind of their, their budget. And, and when, when, you know, I've worked, you know, most of my career, I was in human resources and leadership development. And one of the ways you can tell with whether a, an executive or a company really values employee development is look how much they're spending on employee development and compare it to your peers. So those types of things, you, you can, you look at a per, at that person's budget and say, Hey, they're spending X number, X number of dollars on marketing. They're spending X number of dollars on infrastructure. It starts to show you what they value as, as the most important thing. So it's, it's that budget and that's calendar is, is we'll tell you where your priorities are. And, and each of us has to go and say, okay, where, where do we, where do we value things? And, and, you know, as we went into 2020, so every year my wife and I sit down and we look at our budget for the next year. And we talk about where do we want to put, you know, put our money and kind of, and where do we want to put our time? And as when we went into 2020, we looked at our budget and I believe it was 20% of our budget went to travel or travel related expenses, which is a large amount. And what it shows it, cause that's something we really value. So we're tying that into our budget. And so I, I don't say it has to be 20% for everybody, but mm-hmm. look at your budget and that'll tell you what you find most important. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. I think it's such a great equation. And I was taking some notes as you were talking, you know, value, you know, you start with, again, what your values are, you know, what's most important to you. Remember yeah. that? And because knowing, you know, I say this all the time, knowing what's important is what's most important. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure that out, you got a good head start over most, most of us. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. But then you get into budget. Okay. Can I afford this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Either I can, or I can't based on what I, what allocation, mm-hmm. if I want to do this, and I can't afford it. I've got a few choices there too. Maybe I need to work harder or charge more or make more money. Or maybe my percentage to your point isn't 20% right now. Maybe it's 10% or 15% now. But if I'm looking out again, like you talked about your 100, 100 if I'm looking out five years or 10 years, what steps am I taking so that yeah. 10% or 15% ultimately becomes 20 or 20 or 25? And then you mentioned time, which is okay, value, budget, time. How do I make these things, these things fit? And I think yeah. everyone's pie chart or buckets, you know, or, or overall life portfolio might be a little bit different. You know, I was jotting mine down because you're making me think as we're doing this. Thank you for the coaching session. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get off of this as, a, as an epic performer right now. <laughs> He's trying to be. And he said, okay, calendar, balance sheet. Like what else would I add? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, one of family, sorry, you know, you know, like style fun, like what, what's in there? Hmm? 
Yeah, what's important to you? Because for some people, it's like they don't want to travel. It's like, okay, that's that's okay. I get that. But then what do you want to do? Now, you say, can, you, you ask the question, can I afford it? And, and one of the things I would throw in front of that sentence is how. Mm. how? How can I afford it? Because I talked to a number of entrepreneurs who were starting up their company and they, you know, I, I talked to two people that were starting up a coffee shop. They were shortly out of college and they wanted to start up a coffee shop and they had no money. So could they afford it? Probably not if we look at how we often answer that question. But it was really important to them. And a lot of entrepreneurs eat a lot of top ramen in the first couple of years of their, of their business because they've got no money. And, and so it's, how can I afford it? So I, I throw that how in the front of it. What do I have to give up? Okay, I'm not going to go to Starbucks every, uh, every day. And I'm going to save that money. It's like, yes, we all have different amounts of money. But what is it I need to do in order to figure out, you know, how can I get more money? How can I reduce my expenses? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, and I'm really happy that you mentioned how I'm a how guy. You know? yeah. A lot of times also we get into the, the why, you know, what call it the why versus the how equation or anything, or I understand why you want to start a coffee shop. I understand why you want to run a marathon. I understand why you want to travel, you know, 20, you know, and spend 20% of your, of your budget on it and do, I get the why, where, where we really got to get down to business is in the how, you know, how are we going to make that happen? Okay. Right. right. You know, yeah, where does you, something have to give? Where do I have to invest? Where do I have to maybe sacrifice? And you talk a lot about nerves also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. self you know, I, I want this in kind of with like, you know, insecurity and self-confidence and, and, you know, and capability and worth and imposter syndrome. And I'd love your take on like why you feel it's also so good to be, to be nervous. You know, it's, it's that I, I, I talk about that nervous quotient is that indicates with what indicates whether you're pushing yourself a little bit further than, than maybe you would have, because if I go and I do something and it doesn't make me nervous, like, ah, man, maybe I didn't push myself far, far enough. If it makes me nervous, then I'm getting into that uncomfortable zone. And when we, and we grow in that uncomfortable zone, I was, uh, I was working with one client. I do, I do a lot with, uh, corporations and help them figure out where do they want to go in the next couple of years and then kind of bring the team together and, and help them get all get aligned. And I was working with one organization a couple of months ago. And they, we, we put up there, you know, they were talking about where they wanted to go over the next year, year, year to two years. And we had a bunch of things up on the flip chart and I turn around and I look at it and, and, and I, I intuitively, I didn't think it was a big enough stretch for, for the, the organization. And I asked him, I said, do you guys feel like you can, uh, you can accomplish these in, in the next year? And they all, it's like, yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that. I said, does this make you nervous at all? And they kind of collectively said, no, not really. And I, and that's when I came back, I said, maybe we need to kick it up a little bit because we can probably, when we can probably reach a little bit higher. And that's when we went back and we kind of, let's push it a little bit harder and stretch ourselves because you'll be amazed if you stretch yourself, you will probably get to that point or you will at least get further than, than you would with that kind of non-stretch goal. Yeah. 
it's, it's kind of like, hey, you know, once you've done the ultra, you're probably not nervous at the starting line of the 5K. Hmm? Right. But I will tell you, I was I was nervous at the starting line of the hundred of the 50 miler. I was nervous at the, uh, you know, when I did the marathon the first time I was nervous when I did the 50 the first time I was nervous the second time I wasn't. So yeah, I was nervous. But if I go back and do a 5k, it's like, yeah, I know I can do a 5k. Mm-hmm. And even if you went back and did your second or third 50k, like it's a different degree, you know, it's a different degree of even nerves, maybe a different location, maybe a different yes, 50k is, is but hey, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. Right. I know right. I can do it, do it again. And, and I think the point that also I think really kind of lands is you may not get to, you know, the, the goal that makes you super nervous you know, out yeah. there. Yeah. But if you got farther than the goal that didn't make you nervous at all, look at how much farther again, you've, you've, you've gone. Right. Right. Maybe that's your 20% travel budget now. You know, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, and I stayed in the, in the comfortable, you know, comfortable place where I wasn't nervous. I don't make any more money. We don't really grow any further than this. I kind of did it. And I, and I'm not saying you should always be in the uncomfortable zone. I mean, there are, there are times, you know, I, I look at, you know, swimming, you know, there are times it's nice to swim in the shallow end of the pool. It's comfortable there, but then eventually, you know, it's, it's, it's good to go into the deep end where it's uncomfortable. And, but that's where you will learn. But then eventually you start swimming in that deep end of the pool. And you get comfortable in that deep end of the pool. And then you're ready to go to the ocean. And, and it's nerve wracking. So it's, I just like the principle. And I think it's relatable. You know, yeah. I think the principle is relatable um, and it's credible. It's proven, you know? but it's also aspirational to people, yeah. which is what I really like about, it. hey, anything we practice, we get good at. You know? yeah. Yeah. Anything we try for the first time you know, is uncomfortable. It creates you know, a nervous, a nervous experience. And the nerves and, and even feeling you know, insecurity or or what it lack, you know, lacking the confidence, any kind of newness is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Now fear and putting yourself in something super dangerous that you're not prepared for, like, okay, we no. But what we're talking about here is hey, can we establish personal, professional kind of you know, spiritual, emotional type goals where we want to put ourselves in a different space. We yeah. want to grow. We want to get farther. You know? And, and so that's it's important. You have to have that aspirational aspect to it too, to look at these men out ahead or women that are leading by example. Also. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love uh, the concept that you talk about. I mean, it makes so much sense. Obviously, you know, you and I are, are, are preaching to the choir, um, but it's that ability is, is, you know, the older I get, I still want to learn. And one of the best ways to learn is to kind of go explore things, read things that, that push me into different levels, you know, do events like this that push me into different levels because it keeps my mind stimulated. And, and I, don't, I don't want that mind to stop being stimulated. Yeah, could not, could not agree more. I, I glanced to the left and all of a sudden I, I have one of your, you know, some information on you that are open here in the notes that I make before this. So, so I casually glanced over to the left and one thing kind of just jumped right out at me that I want to ask you about also, as you're saying, um, you took a seven month sabbatical mm-hmm, yeah. from, from a high paying job right. in the middle of your career. And you took a trip around the world. Mm-hmm. But we also talked about, you know, again, 
you're married. And I'm going to ask you what year you took this. You have children. You, you had a job, you know, and it was paying the bills at the time, which also leads me to believe you had an overhead and a <laughs> lifestyle you know, and responsibilities. And wherever you were in your, your athletic, you know, career, you know, um, and endeavors over there. Walk me through through that. Again, just as a 50-year-old guy who's now come out of his, you know, I've had some success. I've had more failures than success. But I'm in a position right now where we're three years away from being empty nesters, looking ahead of where I want to live, travel, all these things that you've talked about. So this really, you know, really resonates you know, with, with me. And I know a lot of the men out there, like, Take me through that decision, that conversation. So, yeah. You like, I have so many questions. Like, <laughs> go, Brian. Like, here you go. Bring it back. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've traveled around the world twice for an extended period of time. Uh, the first one, as you referenced, was for seven months. It was back in 2005. I was not married at the time, but I had started dating now my wife. I had started dating her. Our company, the company I was working for, I worked for this great company. I had a great boss. It was just every, it was, it was an ideal situation. We just, we were getting acquired and I knew things were going to change and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do? I'm in my, what, mid thirties, I think it was, you know, generally that's not the time that you leave your career because you're, you're at, or you're approaching your highest earning capability. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to travel around the world. And, and most people do it right out of college. <laughs> um, and it's like, I, I've got this opportunity. Or I can, I, I should say, I can make this opportunity. I threw it out to the woman that I, I was dating. And we weren't dating that long. But I could tell that she liked to travel. And it, it sparked something. And it's like, let's just take, I want to take a seven-month seven month sabbatical. If I need to quit my job, I'll quit my job. I can find a job somewhere else, uh, you know, when I come back and go travel, just go travel. And and the question I asked myself at this time, and I've asked myself this question a number of times is, will I regret not doing this in 20 years? Will I regret not going and traveling around the world in 20 years? And the answer came very quickly. It's like, yes, I would. I also knew that if I get out there and I don't like it, I can always come back. And I, and I owned my own house, so I had to rent my house out. And, and I was nervous because I have a very comfortable job. I'm making plenty of money. I've got a good house, a very comfortable lifestyle. Now I'm going to put all that aside for seven months, live out of a backpack in hostels, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And, and I, that was what I was most worried about with whether I could make that transition from comfortable house to hostel in Southeast Asia. And, but I always knew I can, I can come back if need be. It was the, one of the best decisions outside asking my wife to marry me. And, and, and I asked her while we were on the Great Wall of China at the end of the trip, because I knew, okay, she can, we can travel together. We kind of, it was this ultimate test and asked her if she would marry me and she did. And as we were coming to the end of that seven month trip, we came across a family that was also traveling around the world with their kids. And, and I looked at my now fiance and, I, and we both said, God, you know, when, our, when we knew we'd have kids, when we have kids, 
we should think about doing that with them when they get to a certain age, kind of that, that you know, end of elementary school age. And that was, that was kind of, we, we set that, that uh, stake in the ground. And so like fast forward 12 years, and we then took our kids out of school for a year uh, when they were nine and 11, and we traveled around the world. But it was that same question we asked is, you know, you're, you're a couple years from being empty nesters. And I, and I don't know what's going through your head, but I know I, it's like, I'm going to miss my kids. And we have a cer certain amount of time that we can really get to know them because eventually they're going to go off and do their own thing. And they're going to, they're going to come back every once in a while. But I want to take advantage of this time. So I asked, you know, my wife and I both asked ourselves, it's like, will we regret not taking this trip for a year around the world with them? And I will tell you, there has, there was never a point that we have regretted it then and since. And every time somebody comes up and says, you know, we're thinking about traveling around the world, before they can finish that sentence, I say, do it. Just go figure out how to do it. That's the easy part. And then do it. You know, I'd asked you what, what you learned from the hundred individuals that you have interviewed uh, on, you know, for your, for your book. And, and I often get asked that question also. And what do you learn from the man? Like, why do you even do this? Uh, and it's answers like that, quite frankly. It's stories like the one that you just told that makes me sit here as a husband and as a father, you know, and as a mid middle-aged guy, yeah. um, thinking about experiences over things, you know, thinking about regret that you can have in life, thinking about the duration, you know, of, of life and what we have still in front of us. You know? yeah. And again, what matters most? Does missing a year of school, you know, really matter per se, or I'm thinking about, well, maybe it's not a year, but could we do three months you now? And can right. we make, because now we have this time. Okay. And at what ages and at what stages and okay. So maybe it's not right to your point early on. Maybe it's not right now, mm -hmm, but maybe it is, you know, Harper graduates high school or other son is still in college. Now we do have a three and a half or four month summer, you know, before, mm -hmm. Right. Maybe that's the time and we sit down and we plan ahead and we look at values and we look at budget, a lot of what you talked about. You know, so, you know, again, to everyone even out there that's listening to this and you're like, these are the conversations, like this is the impact. This is the why. And then we get into the how. Yeah. And, and, and I, I love what you. Yeah, I, and I love how you have taken like, okay, maybe we can't do a year with the kids, but what if we did three months with the kids in the summer? And, and then how do you're trying to figure out how to turn a, I can't into an, I did. And that's a lot of what I've tried to, to look and at. I with think the that's what really where I think a lot of your work and a lot of your message you know, is, which is obviously epic and, and, and super motivational and super inspirational, but it really also gets back into how can I reverse engineer Okay, from these messages, from these stories, from these interviews, from all these other things, how can I reverse engineer it back to what works for me in my life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yep. make and make these epic epic performance accomplishments actually realistic, you know, for me. And yet still aspirational, push it, get nervous, get uncomfortable, get all those things. But however, mm, I can't do a year right now. Mm, I can do three months if I can't. And, and maybe three months leads to the second time we do it. 
And the right. second time we do it is at this particular benchmark. And maybe it is a year mm-hmm. Yeah. upon a graduation or upon an exit or upon a, whatever it may be, you go back to, how can I make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that you, you said, I can't do it. You know, maybe right now, the other word I really like in you, when you talked about, um, can, you know, can I, it's like, how can I, I added that how, and the, and the other one is a yet. It's like you say, I can't. Well, maybe I can't yet. And that's, I think, one thing that often holds people back on a lot of things is, you know, you know, we'll talk about a marathon. Somebody will say, I can't run a marathon. And, and what surprises me, when I looked into the statistics, only 1% of the U.S. populations run a marathon. And, and I've said, God, that seems low. And other people said, oh, I'm surprised how high that is. <laughs> but <laughs> so we, we all have different perspectives. And... And, and most people couldn't go out and run a marathon today. You know, I, I, I'm not in the running shape that I, that I have been in the past. And so for me to go out and run a marathon today, it'd be a little bit painful. So I can't run it yet. But, but what that does imply is maybe in the future I can. And what do I have to do kind of in order to be able to get up to that speed in order to run that marathon in maybe a year or two years? or three years. It's, it's perspective there. And again, I think it's, what do I want to accomplish? How can I accomplish it? In what order do I go to accomplish it? Yeah. So it might not make you nervous to run a 5K right now, but if you've never run a 5K, mm-hmm, you start with a 5K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, the space, maybe it scares you to train for a marathon because it's 26.2 sounds a little daunting. I haven't done anything. It's, you know, it's a long way. But I can train for a 5K. And then when I do a 5K, I can do a 10K. And then I train for the next, like each one of these benchmarks gets us you know, to another place. It makes the uncomfortable seem a little bit mo- less daunting and out of reach. Yeah. And I think a little bit more, I kind of I, I kind of want to be uncomfortable again. I kind of want to be nervous again. What's the next thing that I, that I look towards? Um, walk me through, and it's the moment we've got left, epic. Okay. Yeah. And, and how you can't the concept and what it stands for, for, for you and for your readers and in terms of, you know, epic performance and what you do. So epic performance, it's kind of these five behaviors that you need to go kind of really be able to dream up the big ideas in life and then figure out how to get to that finish line. And so the E in epic stands for how do you envision the big things in life and your career at work? that you wanna accomplish. And it's not envisioning out the next one, two, three years. It's envisioning out the next 10, 20, 30 years. So it's really looking far out into the future. The P is how do you put a plan in place in order to start achieving those things you just envisioned? And, and it's, you, don't have to, you, you don't have to do everything in year one. So you know, it, it takes a while. The I is how do you iterate to that plan? You don't start off running a marathon. You start off running a 5K, you build up your confidence, you build up your capability, and then you go out and run a 10K. And then you run a half marathon. And then you kind of move up to that marathon. So you iterate up. The uh, C is how do you collaborate with others? Somebody has done what you're thinking before. They have succeeded in it, or they have failed in it. And I, I'm guessing when you were looking to start your podcast, you probably talked to other people who had done a podcast. 
because you had no idea what's involved in doing a podcast, but mm -hmm. somebody has. And so we, we often think about, oh yeah, but you know, very, nobody's run a 200 mile run before. It's like, nope, they have. I happen to know two people and I spent a lot of time with them. And even if I didn't know somebody that's run a 200, let's find somebody that's run a hundred mile. And, and then I want to fit, I'll finish with performance, but I see you have a, you, you want to dig in. No, so. go, go finish up. Okay. I yeah. there's performance. That's the fifth piece. It's epic. And then there's performance. Yeah. So it's envision too. plan. <laughs> Envision, plan, iterate, collaborate. And the last one is perform. You got to go out and do it. And, and so I look at envision, plan, iterate, and collaborate, get you to the start line. And then the perform is you go out and do it. You got to persevere through the uh, challenging times. You got to stay focused on that goal. And that gets you to the finish line. And then when you get to that finish line, you think about, okay, what's the next start line I want to stand at? Mm. It, it's so good. And I really... I as you got through Epic and I was like, oh, okay, wait, there is a fifth one. The fifth one actually is the performances that's right. And I'm glad that you included that because I also think it's important to, to point out that, look, there's so much self-help out there because so many people right. need help. Right. And also what ends up happening sometimes with that is that they never stop with the help and start with the actual performing and the doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they invest in themselves to, to get the help or, you know, get out there and, and read the books and do the masterminds and maybe get the coach or maybe get the therapy, whatever it might be, get the trainer, the nutrition, you know, but you actually have to implement, you actually have to perform. Yeah. And you can't keep bouncing around to more and more help, more, more you know, you end up kind of also paralyzed to that because there's a million different ways to be successful. You know, there's one common one to, to fail is not doing anything. <laughs> After you've taken, you got at some point back, you know, back a horse, like, okay, I'm going to follow epic performance. You know, I'm going to follow, I'm going to do, and that's the one I'm going to do. But the key is in the performing, take it all in, make sure it works for you. It's what you want, but then you actually have to do it. And I think often that gets sometimes overlooked. We just roll in sometimes into the next help me, you know, course <laughs> or help me book. And we stop realizing that that's not the outcome. Like the outcome is not finishing the course. The outcome that you're looking for is actually performing based on what you got out of the course or out of the message, you know, or yeah. out of the coaching. I mean, th there are, a there are a million books out there. And, and, and I'd like to say that what I'm offering, it's like, it, it's so unique and different. You know, it, people have probably heard some of these things before. Mm. But what I lay out is here are some practical ways in order to go from envision to plan to iterate to collaborate to perform to help you get through some of these steps. I mean, there's tons of books that talk about how, you know, I'm this I'm a Navy SEAL and I did all this or I'm this, you know, I did this, this and this. And it's very inspirational, but it doesn't help me go figure out how to get there. And so I wanted I wanted it to be kind of a here's how you can do it for yourself. And here's some and practical things. Because it's relatable, it's credible, and it's aspirational. It goes, okay, hey, guy, if you like Brian and you like what you heard from Brian, okay? Yeah. Go read his book, okay? Go to, I, hey, the guy's 54. He's married. He's traveled the world. He runs a lot of races. He's got kids. He manages to pay his bills and get a car. Go, okay, I can relate to all of these things. And I'd like to know how he's fucking doing it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's cool. I like to swim with the seals too. I've had many on, on, on my show. I love to do it. I love those challenges. I want to be challenged by them. I want to be, okay. but look, there's a big difference between, you know, a weekend 
and being an actual Navy SEAL. Right. right. <laughs> what I do saying- when I finish the weekend is go back to the St. Regis, go to the spa, take a good shower and go home to my comfortable life, which is also uncomfortable and talk to other guys who have comfortably uncomfortable lives that I can relate to. Yeah. And they are some impressive individuals. And I don't want to kind of downplay what they've done because I have a lot of respect. Um, And I love reading those books because it gets me thinking, okay, man, I can do more. I can do bigger. I just wanted to put together something that helps that, you know, helps that person think, you know, they, they may be thinking this big. And it's like, how can I think maybe this a little bit bigger? And what are the questions I have to ask myself? How do I get around fear? How do I get around that nervousness? What are the strategies for me to kind of think 20, 30 years out as opposed to one, two years out? Yeah. That's, that, so it's some practical stuff. And I tend to be very pragmatic on, on things. And that's what this book's about. I think it's awesome. I think it's important. And, and I love that approach because it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, it's, it's real. I love, again, when you talk all of the call it sensationalism stuff that I think it's all has a tremendous amount of, of value, but again, how do we bring it back into, you know, what really lands with us? You know, what is our definition or metric of success look like? What people do we turn to, you know, for that advice, for that guidance, for that inspiration also a lot out of it, but how do we curate it down to the very, very best stuff, kick out and eliminate the shit that doesn't work for us. And you get back to your, you know, C-level, you know, the, the discipline of time, what you say yes to, what you say no to. It's it's all fan, fantastic stuff. Um, how do people find you? How do they get the book? Mm-hmm. They- yeah. No, Greg, I, I appreciate you having me on your uh, show. It's just, it's I, I've enjoyed listening to some of your other shows. Um, the best way to get in touch with me is you can, you can go, you can get the book on Amazon, you know, Epic Performance Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. You can go to epicperformances.com. So it's E-P-I-C performances with an S.com. And that'll that'll share more about the book. It, you can, it allows you to connect with me. You can connect with me on different social media. LinkedIn is, you know, on the business side. And you just look for Brian Gillette. And uh, and I'd love to love to hear. I what I love to hear is when see, people listen to a podcast or hear you know hear, hear something and you know, read the book and they send me a note and said, Hey Brian, I'm now thinking of doing X. Mm-hmm. That just to me that is the most rewarding thing. That it just that you know I'm thinking about fill in the blank. I love hearing that. So please send me those, those messages. Awesome. This has been, this has been tremendous. Thank you so much for coming on guys. That's Brian Gillette, epic performance. As he said, lessons from 100 executives and endurance athletes on reaching your peak. Check him out, give him a follow, pick up the book. If you like what you hear on the midlife mail podcast, give us that five-star rating, leave us a positive review. It really makes a difference. If you want to reach out to me, it's Greg at midlifemail.com. And I will be back next week. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Greg. Great talking to you. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.